talk this evening, I'd like to focus again upon the theme of acceptance. Our lives are like a kaleidoscope of, of changing experiences, events, and responses. And some of the experiences we encounter in our lives, we seek for and we choose. And there are also many encounters that we have within the world of experience that are unchosen, that are unpredictable and unbidden. Experiences and and encounters that we can't always control. Now within the world of experience, there are moments that we welcome and delight in that bring happiness and closeness. And there are many moments and many experiences that we meet in our lives that are unwelcome to us, that we resist and struggle with because they bring with them a a shadow of unhappiness. A pleasure and pain are lifelong companions for us. Our bodies change and age. We experience both health and frailty. In our hearts we meet love and we also meet rejection and anger. In our feelings we experience both negativity and positivity, moments of alienation and moments of compassion. All of us as we go through our lives are faced with contrast times when we can feel extraordinarily lonely and times when we can feel deeply connected, times of great sadness and many times of joy. If we, and as we do explore the nature of our minds, we also see that our minds are equally unpredictable, equally filled with contrast and unpredictable both in their life and and content. In our minds there are moments when we can feel so harsh and judgmental towards ourselves or towards other people. And the next moment can be followed by a sense of softening, of forgiveness and generosity. We can see in one moment how we can be so obsessed with memories and images of the past and in the next moment we can feel so connected and close to the present. In relationship to the world around us, I think we experience an equal lack of control. We can't always control the praise that we receive in our lives, nor can we control the blame that comes to us. We will encounter in our lives both judgment and forgiveness, success and failure. Probably all of us will have moments and experiences of people and relationships that change and disappear and are lost to us, never to be recovered. We all have experiences of people and things, experiences that we want and actually may never be able to have. 
Equally, we have a lot of encounters and experiences that we don't want and that come to us and don't avoid us. Many times we find ourselves struggling with this kaleidoscope of experiences, of changing experiences in an inner and outer world that continues to surprise us. The most predominant way that we struggle with what is, is through control, through trying to control ourselves and our lives. And in meditation, sometimes we have a very clear understanding of the ways in which we try and control this moment, what is happening right now, and even the ways in which we try and control what the next moment is going to bring to us through our plans, through our strategies. One of the ways in which we try to control our world and ourselves is through trying to banish all things that are unpleasant and challenging and painful and disturbing and difficult. Because this is mostly the flavor of experience that disturb us most deeply. We try to banish the unpleasant and many times try to preserve in our inner and outer world all of the things and people and experiences that are pleasant, supportive, flattering and safe. And in trying to control our world and ourselves in this way, we experience again conflict and frustration through our attempt to stay in control. We experience conflict and frustration when we see how ineffective our attempts to control are. And the conflict and frustration we experience, it's not intrinsic to a world of changing experiences. The conflict and ex frustration we experience is born out of our desire and attempt to control the uncontrollable to try and create staticness, to try and preserve that which cannot be preserved. Control is an issue for many people. Sometimes we're not even aware of how much control is dominant in our lives. It can be so incredibly subtle. And yet our attempts to control anything at all always I think brings with it also an underlying sense of anxiety. Anxiety because we never really can be sure what the next moment is going to bring to us. And never being entirely sure how things will unfold, how things will change, what we will be asked to respond to in our lives. We can try to close down, to become even somewhat afraid or distanced from life. Anxiety comes intrinsically with control because we do glimpse again and again how very futile and how very much in vain our efforts to control the world and control ourselves actually are. No matter how much we seek for certainty in our lives, there is always unpredictable. No matter how many times we try and find guarantees 
about other people, about our relationships, about our meditation practice, life continues to surprise us. No matter how much we try to armor ourselves or protect ourselves against the difficult or the unpleasant or the challenging, we see again and again that neither our inner world nor our outer world feels particularly obliged to be obedient to our desires. No matter how much we desperately cling and try to preserve the pleasant, the pleasant experience, the pleasant relationship, the pleasant sensation, the pleasant mind state, it's already in the process of changing into something else. You might try that in your day here. Even for an hour, try to only have pleasant thoughts. Try to only have pleasant sensations. Try to have only pleasant feelings. Or even try and see what happens if you try to hold on to a really pleasant and delightful fantasy. It's already disappearing. Trying to arrange our world or our mind in a way in which we feel in control is like living in a dream. And the analogy that's sometimes used is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Like living in a dream. I think there are many ways in which we try and distance ourselves from the uncontrollable or the unpredictable. One way of trying to distance ourselves is through disconnection. Trying to live mostly and trying to create and live mostly in a mental world of thoughts and strategies and plans and ideas. Sometimes we try and stay untouched by what is true and by what is actual through trying always to distract ourselves, seeking to be distracted, seeking for dreams. Sometimes distractedness can seem like a wonderful antidote to reality. Another way in which we try maybe to distance ourselves from this sense of not being in control is through numbness through maybe the addictions of our choice or through work or through overloading our sense doors or through being busy. For many people, busyness is a way of trying to stay untouched if we are busy enough. It seems like we hardly really have time to feel or space to feel. Or sometimes we try and distance ourselves from the sense of being not in control to having endless strategies and plans and prescriptions and formulas as a way of trying to order our world and have a semblance of control. There's that wonderful Nazarene story where, you know, Nazarene's standing outside of his house scattering breadcrumbs and a neighbor comes along and says, Nazarene, what are you doing? And he says, I'm scattering breadcrumbs to keep away the tigers. And the neighbor says, but there are no tigers here. And Nazarene says, effective, isn't it? 
we can try and strategize our way through the whole of our lives to have a formula and a prescription for everything. One, another of the ways that we sometimes struggle with the uncontrollable is actually in the form of anger or blame regarding the world as, a, as an enemy or as a potential threat. And every time we meet the difficult or meet the challenging, we always want to know whose fault it is. You know, who made it happen? Who can I blame? Almost as if blame explains everything. You know, if we can find somebody to be at fault, we feel better. When we struggle with our lives, our struggle with our world, we are actually meeting the force and the power of our desire for safety and sometimes meeting the force and the power of our own expectations not always seeing that our very expectations can be a way of imposing our desire for control upon other people and ourselves. To come to know a real sense of peace and balance and ease in our lives, there really does need to be a remarkable wisdom, a learning of the art of acceptance. A learning how to step out of struggle and anxiety. Acceptance is a place of wisdom. Acceptance is not blind and it's certainly not passive. Acceptance is not a, a numb resignation, nor is it a condoning of something that is unwholesome or unskillful. And I think true acceptance is undeniably linked to transformation because acceptance is about the willingness to see things as they actually are. The willingness to see our lives, the willingness to see other people, the willingness to see ourselves in each moment as they actually are and to live in harmony with what is true. This is the only time we ever stop struggling in our lives when we live in harmony with what is true. And that is what really liberates us and liberates our world to change and to unfold and to move on. Acceptance is a way of opening our hearts without fear and without judgment to what is. In the face of denial or numbness, in the face of judgment or distance, then nothing can ever change or move. Not ourselves, not our relationships with other people, not the circumstances of our world. In a very real way, all things are frozen by denial. They're frozen by judgment and rejection. Think about any time that you judge another person, or judge yourself, or deny yourself, how a judgment is actually a conclusion. It's an ending. A judgment in many ways is a dismissal. A judgment is a way of creating an image and an assumption 
that we come to accept as being true and that becomes our reality. There is something so intriguing to see the way in which our lives, our perceptions of other people, our perceptions of ourselves are actually shaped by our beliefs. And our judgments are our beliefs. In our conclusions, what is banished, whether they are applied to another person or to ourselves, what is truly banished is, is any sense of possibility. Openness and understanding are banished. You might reflect for a moment, I would invite you to reflect for a moment upon one person in your life, in the present or in the past, who you dislike, who you have an aversion for. It might be someone that you have a long history with, who has wounded you in some way. Or it might be somebody here who you dislike, who has offended you, or insulted you in some way. What is the nature, reflect for a moment about what is the nature of your relationship with that person in this moment? Do you feel any sense of openness, of possibility, of change, or understanding? Can you feel any sense of forgiveness or compassion? Or have conclusions already been drawn? Have we already banished that person from our lives? Think about someone who maybe has offended you or hurt you. When you see that person, what do you see? You know, what do you see? If you could visualize them in your mind, what do you see when you first see that person? Do you see a sense of possibility or actually do you see a wall of history? A wall of history that perhaps is an already an ending, already a banishment. This too we can apply to ourselves. What kind of conclusions maybe do you hold about yourself? You know, what kind of assumptions or labels have you perhaps already adopted about yourself? Perhaps labels with a long history, you know, perhaps you've gone through your life feeling that you're uh, an angry person or a powerless person or a greedy person. Perhaps it's maybe a conclusion that you might have drawn about yourself today. Has there been any time today when you have judged yourself in any way? And what is the nature of your relationship to yourself in that moment of being close to that judgment or close to that conclusion? Is there a possibility of seeing yourself freshly? Is there a sense of faith and confidence? Is there a sense of vision, of opening? Or is there, because of the conclusion, already a feeling of distance, of disconnection, of resignation? We are easily tempted 
easily tempted to judge or to make assumptions or to draw conclusions. Where we say, I am, or you are, we do it about our practice, too. You know, about our meditation on the basis of one experience or one moment. We say, you know, oh, my meditation's like this. It's always going to be like this. Forever. You know, every time I sit, it's always going to be like this. Our beliefs. Our beliefs shape our understanding of what is. And our beliefs shape our relationship to what is. Our beliefs shape again and again the ways in which we respond to this moment. Now sometimes, you know, we we may have these very strong conclusions or these very strong judgments about other people or about ourselves. And sometimes we do actually see a glimmer of possibility. Oh no, things could be different, you know. This relationship really could change. You know, take the example of a relationship with someone, perhaps, you know, who's offended you or hurt you in some way. And sometimes, you know, the the feeling does arise, oh, this could really change. But even then, sometimes we see that the change in relationship is actually dependent upon this other person radically changing. You know, when they stop being so annoying, you know, when they stop being so, so uptight, you know, then I'm going to have a wonderful relationship with them, you know. Or when I stop having this kind of thought, or when I stop having this kind of feeling, I'm really going to be so accepting of myself that somehow this glimmer of possibility seems to be so dependent on something else. It is also, I think, really actually important for us to see that the conclusions or the images that we harbor or hold in this moment, whether they are about another person or whether they are about ourselves, they are actually the history of the next moment. The history that we carry into the next moment and into the future moment. Accepting those conclusions or judgments as being a reality is equally assuming a burden of aversion or fear or distance or disconnection that we carry through our lives. There's a wonderful Jewish line that says you can throw somebody out of your house but never throw them out of your heart. And this is about really having that willingness to question our beliefs to keep always open that sense of questioning, which is to keep open a doorway of possibility. It feels to me like change, the capacity for change, the capacity for movement, for opening, for a sense of possibility, is so much related to acceptance, to our willingness to question and to inquire and to explore and to stay close to this moment, to stay close to our responses, to stay close to a sense of possibility. Acceptance is something that actually not only applies to particular circumstances or people or events in our lives, And acceptance is also not just about learning how to accept ourselves. 
Acceptance is about understanding the nature of life and understanding and being in touch with the quality of our relationship to this moment. Now, it is very true that acceptance is deeply needed in those places of hatred or anger or blame or judgment to allow them to open and to allow us to lay down the burden of division. These are the resources we need to find within our hearts that allow us to heal ourselves and that truly allow us to heal the divisions and the ruptures between ourselves and others. Divisions that are often created simply unperpetuated through holding on to our conclusions and judgments. Acceptance is also equally deeply needed in those places within ourselves where we carry self-hatred or self-judgment or guilt to allow us to heal ourselves. But I think often we think that the place of acceptance is only in those places where there's aversion or anger or hatred. I think acceptance is equally needed in those places where there's great pleasure and those places that we delight in. If acceptance is really rooted in understanding the nature of life, it can't apply only to that which is unpleasant. It has to apply also to our relationship to all of that which is pleasant and delightful. If we become lost in the pleasant experience, the pleasant encounter, the pleasant relationship, the pleasant thought, if we cling there, in truth we are already denying in many ways the nature of life, which is change and resisting that is. If we become inclined to be lost and to cling and to hold on to that which is pleasant, we are going to be equally lost in that which is painful and find an equal degree of clinging and holding and resistance in relationship to the painful. If we hold on to praise, we're going to be shattered by blame. If we cling to the things that we gain, we are going to be devastated by loss. If we're willing to open only to that which is pleasant, we are always going to treat the unpleasant as a source of fear. Acceptance is not only about specific encounters in our lives, it is understanding our lives and the wisdom of not holding on to anything. This is part of learning to be with what is. And learning to open to what is, is the foundation of acceptance. Learning to discover the balance and equanimity within ourselves which embraces all of the contrasts in our lives. Acceptance is not something that you can force. And it's not a destination you arrive at. I doubt that any of us are going to arrive at a place in our lives where we feel perfectly accepting and blissful in the face of all things. Acceptance is actually a practice. 
It is an application of wisdom again and again and again in the face of the pleasant, in the face of the unpleasant. It's very unlikely that any of us in our lives are going to reach a place of some sort of transcendent reality that is filled only with pleasant sensations and pleasant people and delightful sensations. We are all in our lives going to continue to meet not only that which delights us, but to meet the painful and the challenging. And acceptance begins in that moment. It begins in that moment. Every moment of judgment, of conclusion, of aversion, of holding is where we are asked really to be awake. It's important for us to see that the potential for anger and resistance and the potential for acceptance and openness always lies in exactly the same place. They are potential that lie always in exactly the same moment. We need to be willing, I feel in our lives, to turn towards that which we most fear and that which we most dislike and that which we most condemn. To turn towards rather than to follow our more familiar pathways of closing down, of denial. You know, there's a I can't remember who said it, but said, she said, I don't want to banish the demons from my life because then the angels would depart also. In our willingness to turn towards that which is difficult and challenging, something very profound and something almost miraculous can take place. Because in that willingness to turn towards, in doing so, we actually set aside our fears and conclusions. We set aside the role of being the victim or the master. And we open, I think, to a deeper sense of possibility. Now, we experience this in meditation practice over and over and over again. You know, everybody in meditation practice comes a little bit closer to their demons. They come in all different forms. For one person, it's in their bodies. You know, you sit and you've got the, you know, the aching knee of this century in there. No one's knee has ever ached like your knee can ache. And we can see, you know, how much almost immediately there arises within us, you know, when we see just even the glimmer of that sensation. Rejection and denial, I don't want it. Contraction, trying to control it and resist it. And every single time we do that, we experience we have more pain. We have more tension. We have more fear. We have more anxiety. We want to flee from it. Sometimes, you know, we become angry and judgmental. And all we want to do is get rid of it. You know, some, for another person, their demon in meditation, you know, some very familiar feeling of, of anger. You know, every time they come on a retreat, you know, they're angry. Isn't the whole retreat being angry? You know, everything's wrong. Everybody is wrong. You know, everybody's imperfect. Everything is out, you know, out there to kind of trip us up. Anger's there. And again, we can see it. We say, I don't want this. You know, I didn't come here in order to be angry. I want to be peaceful. We resist it. There's more anger. It shatters us. We become contracted. Well, we learn, actually, over and over some very simple lessons in meditation. 
we learn about how to open to what is. We learn about the skillfulness of sustained attention, of staying with, of turning towards and befriending that which we most want to get rid of. And something can happen which is really very radical. Many times, and I would say almost everyone with this practice begins to experience that the more that they are able to turn towards that, that which is difficult, that something changes. It begins to open. There is no longer a feeling of being so gripped, so much held by what is being experienced. Instead, there is the experience of being able to hold it. Sometimes the need, sometimes the feeling of anger. What happens as we begin to turn towards it, it begins to open up. In response to our openness to it, it too, that which feels most stuck, begins to open in response and even begins to dissolve. Sometimes this takes us quite by surprise. Takes us quite by surprise. You know, where is that feeling? It's gone. You know, even, even the demon of the knee can simply open up and dissolve. There is something that is quite profound in this. It is learning to see something as it is rather than being tripped up by our conclusions or dismissing something because of our judgments. We learn to see it as it is. It's not mine. It's not happening to me. I am not a victim of it. I don't need to control it. I need to learn to be with this, to stay with this. Something in our hearts and consciousness can shift dramatically. We see that that opening is actually experienced inwardly as a greater sense of spaciousness and balance and allowing. This is a profound lesson we learn in our meditation and it's certainly a lesson of our lives. That where there is struggle and resistance, there is only pain. That where there is allowingness, allowing the willingness to let something be, there begins to emerge a glimmer of spaciousness, of balance and acceptance. This lesson of our inner world is not just something that applies only to our inner world. It is truly a lesson of our lives. That no matter how much history there lies behind our conclusions or our judgments or our assumptions, as long as we hold on to it in this moment, there is pain. And the only moment where there can be transformation, the only moment where there can be change and forgiveness and the beginning to let go is the moment that we are present and awake in, the moment that we have the willingness to open to. We can often make very long lists of the things that we're not able to accept in our lives about other people, about our relationships, or about ourselves. Sometimes our list of what we can't accept is in relationship to being hurt 
or rejected or wounded by another. And in not being able to accept, we make of them an enemy and an opponent. And to tell you a story, the Dalai Lama was once, a couple of years ago, giving a teaching. And in the middle of giving this teaching, a messenger came running into the hall and, and handed the Dalai Lama a telegram. And the Dalai Lama opened the telegram and he opened it and read it and he burst into tears. In the middle of giving this teaching, he burst into tears. And then he explained to everyone who was there and he said, you know, I've just been told that a number of monks in this who were in this monastery in Tibet have been executed by the Chinese. And then he said, let us dedicate the rest of our meditation and teaching today to the Chinese. And sometimes he refers to the Chinese as my friends, the enemy Chinese. My friends, the enemy Chinese. If we have been hurt and wounded in our lives by another person, by an event that has happened to us, there may be a great deal of truth in that event and that experience of being hurt, but that is not the truth of ourselves. It doesn't describe the truth of ourselves. Nor do we need to invite into our hearts the burden of anger and confusion and hatred of another person and then carry it through our lives. This may be their suffering and their karma. We may indeed do all that is possible to bring that suffering to an end, but we don't need to assume the burden of anyone else's confusion. History is sometimes a very major obstacle to acceptance. We say this happened, and perhaps it did happen. You know, this is the way I was wounded, this is the way I was hurt. Carrying that history into the present gives it life, but it is given life only through the way it is held on to in this moment. And sometimes the very holding of that history is what doesn't allow us to forgive and to move on in our lives. It's like beginning to go on a journey on a train, you know, and, and, and carrying all of these suitcases. And instead of getting on the train, you know, you're spending so much time kind of rearranging the contents of your suitcases and sorting through them and, and labeling them and, and, and sifting them that you forget actually to ever get on the train. And sometimes we really need to be aware of how much it is possible for us to lay down burdens of holding. That this is actually the gift of awareness the gift of being awake is it truly enables us to lay down the burdens of holding. You know, forgiveness does not, is not a condoning, condoning of harm and forgiveness doesn't necessarily come, you know, in some form of dramatic revelation where we suddenly say, oh yes, you know, I forgive you, you know, I forgive another person. Forgiveness is often actually a much quieter willingness in our hearts to let the past be, 
to let something be and to renew our connection with the present. Many times in meditation and in our lives, we meet the demons of our judgment and holding and denial and the ways that we struggle, the ways that we we contract. And this is where actually we have the possibility of transformation. Because this is where, through awareness and openness and wisdom, we have the possibility of letting go to staying so steady and so balanced and so awake. There is, I feel, a remarkable effort that is needed in learning the art of acceptance. It's both the effort of restraint and letting go and the effort of learning to extend ourselves. Sometimes we really know, have to know and learn how to restrain ourselves in the face of our conclusions and judgments. Letting go isn't always easy, but letting go happens mostly through wisdom, through understanding the relationship between suffering and its cause. And quite frankly, holding is one of the major causes of suffering in our lives. And letting go is an act of compassion for ourselves. You know, it is like if, if you came into this room, you know, and, 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 and sat here, you know, and banged your head against the wall and kept banging your head against the wall, you know, you might think, oh, I'm learning something through banging my head against the wall. And at some point it would maybe become clear too, I don't actually need to do that. You know, or maybe I've learned what I need to learn. Maybe I don't need to learn this lesson anymore. Maybe there is another avenue, another pathway that I actually need to follow and to learn to restrain ourselves, to let go. Really seeing that, that harboring judgments and conclusions always leaves residues in ourselves. It always is assuming a burden of heaviness, of aversion, of distance. And it's letting go that allows us to see ourselves and to see other people in new ways. Restraint, I think, is also in the area of avoidance. You know, sometimes we see that we avoid someone or we avoid some situation or we avoid ourselves because of some suspected potential unpleasant sensation. But this is fear. This is living by the rules of fear. And sometimes we need to restrain ourselves around that inclination to avoid, to move towards that which we fear is also to move towards openness. The art of of acceptance is also learning to extend ourselves beyond the boundaries of our aversion. You know, just reflecting again on those people that we might struggle with or feel aversion for, how much we, our relationship is really guided by that. What does it actually mean to extend ourselves, to offer the possibility of a new beginning, a word of kindness, a gesture of openness, a gesture of acceptance? Sometimes it takes a remarkable courage and also a humility to extend ourselves beyond our aversion. There's a story I'd like to read to you or kind of summarize for you. 
<laughs> about a rabbi who every week would have a kind of open gathering in his house. And during this gathering, the rabbi would kind of reflect and contemplate and was generally very, very silent. But because he was a very holy rabbi, many of his students used to gather around to just be in his presence even though he very, very rarely spoke. And they would sit around the table also and engage in very quiet and reflective and wise conversations with each other. But it was the rabbi's rule that in these evening gatherings that anyone was welcome to come, that no one was ever excluded. And on one occasion, a man entered and sat down with the rest of the holy students who made room for him even though they knew he was a very ill-bred person. And in this reflective and contemplative and wise atmosphere, this person pulled out a very large radish from their pocket, cut it into big pieces, and began to eat it with a great smacking of their lips. Well, much to the consternation of the rather holy students, you know, they first began to, you know, try and silence him simply by their looks of censure, you know, and staring at him, and they began, they were unable to restrain their annoyance any longer, and started to rebuke him. And they said to him, you glutton, how dare you offend this holy place with your taproom manners? And although they tried to rebuke him quietly, so the rabbi wouldn't hear, he soon noticed what was going on. They turned towards the man, and he said, I just feel like eating a really good radish. I wonder whether there's anyone here who could get, get me one. And in a sudden flood of happiness, the radish eater offered the rabbi a handful of the pieces he had cut. Sometimes extending ourselves means perhaps looking a little bit more deeply than our conclusions, our assumptions, and our judgments. And to really learn the ways in which we might actually touch the heart of another person because in doing so we actually touch new depths in our own heart. Acceptance is often found in places that surprise us, not to do with our circumstances or events or people, but to do with our relationship to what is present, to be very close to what is present, to be very near with openness and the willingness to learn. All of this are the ingredients of acceptance and the ingredients of wisdom. If we take a moment or two just quietly together. <coughs> <coughs> 